Hey lovelies, before we get started, a quick snuggle dress update. The world's most flattering sweater dress that I just can't keep in stock is restocked again in most sizes and both colors, the mustard and yes, even the black. You can see it and score yours at impactfashionnyc.com. If your size is not in stock, add yourself to the wait list. Returns are coming back every day and once they're thoroughly checked, they get put back on the site and the lovelies on the wait list get notified in the order of the list. So the sooner you add yourself, the better. Thanks again for all your support and enjoy the show. From Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. I'm Rifty Itzkowitz, and on today's show, I talk with a designer and entrepreneur about her life. She shares how her parents' heavy schedules when she was growing up influenced the way she runs her business, her very fast journey to religion, and how that felt like she was losing herself, taking business personally, and handling copycats. Valerie Stavnitzer is one of the first people I met when I entered the Orthodox entrepreneur scene, especially on Instagram. She took me under her wing and showed me the ropes, which I so appreciate to this day. If I'm being perfectly honest, this conversation was a great excuse to chill with a friend, and I learned so much at the same time. So I was a, a risk taker, vivacious, um, really, uh, I said this in the in her podcast, but it's so true. My son is like this, where he feels things very passionately. So when he's really, he's six. So when he's really um, sad, he's really, really sad. When he's really happy, he's really, really happy. And when he's really angry, he's really, really angry. Um, and I was like that as a kid. I was the type that really I thought I could fly. So I tried to fly down the stairs. That was fun. Um, <laughs> you hurt yourself? <laughs> Um, I was very confident. I, I wasn't afraid to try things. I went to circus camp and I was the one on like the trapeze, like doing flips in the air and stuff. And that's, that's, my, that was my personality as a kid. Yeah. That honestly, this does not surprise me even. A but bit. I also, I felt things very deeply. So I came off as super confident, but nobody really under, really saw that I was actually super sensitive and really needed a lot of, uh, could have used a lot more. I don't want to say the word attention, but just, you know, f- uh, awareness of certain things. Right. Yeah. I, I hear that. I think that a lot of people who present really confident are like, that's, that is how they feel yeah. inside. What was yeah. your, like, what, what was your family like growing up? What was, you know, oh, like, talk to me about, <laughs> <laughs> they all are honey. I know. I know. Um, I love my family. Don't get me wrong, but I always say like, we gotta, we gotta make a show. We gotta make a show because it would just be amazing. It would just be like, so good. Like keeping up with like the zingers. That's my maiden name. Um, you know, my, both my parents are, we're immigrants. Uh, we're Russian, Russian Jews. Um, both my parents actually left because of persecution for being Jewish. Um, the bullying and all of that was just too much. My mother actually had a, uh, she went to a daycare, which was in the building that she lived in, I believe. And the woman forced um, food down her throat. That was um, one, something that, you know, Jews normally don't eat, which is, you know, 
uh, pork. And my mom was a very sensitive kid. So she actually threw it up and the teacher made her eat her throw up. So that's when, yeah. So that's Ooh. when they decided we're going to escape from here. Cause this isn't good. We don't want to live like this. It was actually, yeah. Terrible. I feel so much, so bad for her. Um, it, it, yeah. So they both came here my dad came here when he was older and they're entrepreneurs my mom owns her own business she built herself up she's been working since she was like 16 she's an esthetician my dad's a, a professional photographer so they you know they're really hard-working people who made something from nothing how old were they when they came here so my mom was I believe she was nine years old something around there my dad was much older I think he was like 25 to 30 I don't remember exactly um, so if you meet them you'll see my mom doesn't have an accent my dad has an accent <laughs> So. Oh, that's really interesting because she came when she was so much younger. Yeah. And she like grew up here, you know, pretty right. much. And then, and then I, yeah. I presume that they met when they were here. Yeah. 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 That, wow. Yeah. I, yeah, I get yeah. that. Growing up with entrepreneurs as parents, was that like, did you just kind of assume that you would be an entrepreneur? No, no I was going to be a psychologist. I was in my, I was actually in a master's program when I was pregnant with my son, who's now six. And um, I started Valerie Chicago at that time, Valerie's Boutique, when my daughter was a baby. So it was going really well. It gave me the opportunity to be able to stay home and be around for my kids. That's something that I did learn from my parents is as much as I respect them for having to work, making something out of nothing, I barely saw them. I barely see them now. They just worked. My mom can work from like, she used to be able to work from like nine to seven, no breaks. And it was just, I never, I never saw them. And I was like craving that at least just physical presence with, with my parents. Like I was the kid who came home from school without anyone home, um, which was nice at times, but also, you know, kind of sad. Um, I didn't want that life for my kids. And thank God, Valerie, at that time, Valerie's boutique gave me that opportunity. So I kind of pulled out of the master's program and um, continued with this. And I'm where I am, where I am right now, but I was going to specialize in trauma or addictions. Um, but maybe later in life, we'll see. Talk to me about that decision because see, to me, it's so funny because I don't like, I can't imagine myself not working. That doesn't make, when we were dating, I think it was way too early when we were dating, but I think I had known my husband for about a month. And I told him that if I stayed home all day with my children, I would probably kill them. Um, yeah, me too. Which, yeah, which like, <laughs> honestly, I, which bless him for finding that charming instead of creepy, but um, <laughs> that tells you a lot that you need to know about our relationship. But either way, like that, was it like, what was the decision to pull out of the master's program? Did you already have Valerie's Boutique, now Valerie Chicago set up at that point? Was it like, did you have Not- something else to go back to? Or was it just, I don't want to do this. Let me kind of figure it out. So I, I realized that there was, when I had my first daughter, I got hit with some really intense postpartum depression and I was pregnant with my son and I was just determined to work on certain things that I wasn't able to do with her. Um, and I really felt like I don't want I love my parents and I respect them, but I don't want to be like them in this way. I really wanted to be around for my kids. And you could say, you know, what's that TikTok that we see everywhere reels that people are saying, you know, I quit my nine to five to work 24, you know, seven. And while, yes, that's true. I'm still around. I'm here. I pick them up. I send them off. I drop, drive them to school. I pick them up from school. I I'm so grateful. Even if I'm in a bad mood, (laughs) like I'm there, I'm there. I'm in, I'm in my studio downstairs. If they need me, like that is already such a huge improvement from what I, the way I grew up with. And I think it's so important, at least this is my personal opinion for kids to at least see you to at least, 
have this base foundation that you can come back to if you need something. And I, I'd like to be that for my kids. So it was like, an, it was no question at all, you know? And I, I also saw where Valerie Chicago was going. I was like, this is gonna, this is something. And I, and I actually love what I do. If I didn't love what I did, believe me, I'm the type of personality. I would not still be doing this with all the challenges that I've gone through with it. I wouldn't do it. Why? Mm -mm, I don't need this, but I really love what I do. It, it gives me something that really I've never gotten from anything else. And that was, it was a no brainer. Right. I think the fact also that, that your boutique is home-based makes a big difference in, in yeah. all of this. Like your kids can just come downstairs if they need to. And exactly. There's negatives and positives. Even if I, you know, had a store somewhere else, they could, I, I'd still be the, the flexibility that it gave me. And, you know, we're in a position where we were able to do that. You know, I'm also the type that I always worked. I had like three jobs as a teenager. I bought my own stuff. I, you know, I, I just, that is my personality. I can't not work. I, I, and there's a lot of guilt with that as a mother. Like I, I understand my mom a lot right now. Like I understand she's the same personality. And as much as I want to be like that perfect mom, who's home, who plays with her kids, who gets down on the floor, I'm really not that type of person. Like I, I really am not. I, I honestly don't enjoy it sometimes. Like there are times, you know, there's times where like, I'm not overwhelmed with something and I can like sit down easily. I think, you know, Shabbat definitely gives me that, that space with them, but I really, I need to work. I need that life outside of my family, but I'm trying to balance it where I'm, you know, able to be present. Right. Talk to me about the, talk to me about that mom guilt, as we call it. Oh you know, a God. lot of people have described that as like, you know, when you're at work, you wish you were at home. And when you were at home, you wish you were at work. This is not something that I have experience with at all. So mm -hmm. talk me through it. Like what, what is that like? What, how do you deal with it for yourself? I think it's so personal. I think everybody has their own unique situation. I, I recently have noticed like my kids are so proud of my studio. My, my, I mean, their teachers. How old are they now? Nine, six. So I have a nine-year-old daughter, a six-year-old son and a four-year-old daughter. So they're old enough to appreciate what you're doing. They do. I mean, you know, they, they I think that my nine-year-old, Abigail, is much more, is much more aware of things now. Like, she's like, I, I wish I could work for you. I was like, I can, you can, you can, I, I can teach <laughs> I you. I need someone to, to pack go. orders, honey. <laughs> exactly. Um, and uh, so they actually talk to their teachers. If my son actually in his school, he has like teachers who are women and they're wearing my stuff and he'll go over to them and be like, stuff for my mommy. And then, you know, Dahlia, who's my four-year-old will also ask her teachers, like, did you get that from my mommy? You know, mm -hmm. she's having a sale. You should get something from the sale. <laughs> you know, like I put bags that, you know, for teacher's order, I put it in her backpack and she, she will get it out and give it to them. Like they're proud of it. And I'm, I'm so honored that they're proud of it. Um, so there's, but there's still a lot of guilt, you know, but I think I have a unique situation. I am home. I am around. I do homework with them. You know, uh, my husband definitely, you know, chips in with that, but I, I drive them, I pick them up and I'm here. And I think that's, that's unique, but there's always going to be guilt. There's, there's, it's, for me personally, it's never ending. Cause I'm, I have something that I don't want to be like, so that's in my head constantly. So I'm, I'm, I'm constantly like, is this like that? And, you know, push, putting myself down, but it's so personal. Right. It's, a, I would imagine it's something that everyone kind of just needs to find their own group yeah. with and, and I think and the best thing to do is just if you don't have the tools go to a therapist to, to at least gain the tools to be able to combat negative self-talk because that's really what guilt is right yeah I, amen I, I totally hear that <laughs> yeah. but yeah no that that makes perfect sense to me so Valerie Chicago formerly Valerie's Boutique is yeah. a beautiful headwear brand Thank with you. like on a, I think that almost 
do I own anything that is, I think I have two headbands that are not from you. And the rest is all your collection. I love your stuff. It's beautiful, beautiful pieces. Um, And, and uh, tell me how that got started. Tell me what made you decide that you're going to like, talk, talk me through it. What made you decide, you know, you're home with your kids. You're not, you're no longer pursuing psychology and you start making hats. How does that happen? I was still in school. Actually, I was still in school. I was, I had a baby. I was still in school. I had postpartum depression. And now I also realize I have, I had, I have severe CPTSD. Um, so I don't know what that is. Can you tell me? Complex PTSD, which is like PTSD on steroids. So, so, um, so I have that. So I realized that there was a lot of that happening around the time that I had a baby. A lot of, you know, things from my past came up when I saw her, like she's, she's a, I love her so much. She's such a wonderful, wonderful girl. Um, but it was really, really hard for me. And I also became religious very, very fast. And that was because I'm impulsive. (laughs) So um, (laughs) talk to me about that. When you first of all, first of all, when you say very fast, what do you mean? Like how fast? I mean, and and like from how from how not religious to how religious? How what are we talking? Let me paint a picture for you. Okay, please. I was this like very not modest. I mean. Everybody has their own level of modesty, but I, you know, I was wearing very tight jeans. My stomach was showing. I had a belly button ring. You know, I had cleavage showing. You know, I worked for Abercrombie and Fitch at one point. You know, I had this big hair with extensions that was blonde. I was very tan. That was you were not blonde. Specific. Yeah, I was blonde. I'll send you a picture. Oh I man, blonde. I would love to and see I blonde was Valerie. Just like not, I didn't really, I always had like an old soul, I feel. And I was always like the mommy of the group. Like I really didn't like, like if everyone was drinking, like that wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't do that. I mean, like maybe a shot or two, but like, I wouldn't get myself to a place that was, you know, uncontrollable. I like to be in control. I don't like to be vulnerable, um, which I think says a lot right there. Um, but I, I was just not, I was, that was, that was the picture of me. I was very, I was a big tease a big tease. Um, and like, you know, boy to boy to boy to boy. It was just not, it was just not, not, I hope I don't want my daughters to be like that. Um, so, so, or my son. Um, but, uh, but I'm grateful for those experiences because it made me who I am. Um, and then like, I started getting my, you know, my mom always lit Shabbos candles. She always went to the mikvah, which is, you know, the, you know, rich, it's like a ritual immersion basically every month after your period. So I knew that she, I knew that she went to that. And we always, my parents are very, they're proud Jews. And, you know, I had grandmothers who literally sacrificed so much just to be able to be a Jew. And, you know, it was just embedded in me. And I always had a pull towards like this way of connecting to God. So, um, I got involved in NCSY. Well, backtrack. My parents sent me to a private school in third grade. And my mom says, and I quote, that the reason she, you know, switched me into a private school is because she didn't like my personality in public school. So okay. I'm, I'm assuming the private school. school was a Jewish private school. Yes. A Jewish private school. And it was very warm. You're not just a number. It was, it was really infused with meaning and, and depth. So, and I appreciate that. But in eighth grade, I was like, mm, I'm done with this. No. Mm-mm. over it I'm not living one life at school living another life at home we weren't practicing certain things that were like given in at that school in the time and I was just like I can't have my friends over like I, right. I don't want this can so I, I ask what kind of school that was yeah. was it like a full-blown base Yaakov type or was no, it it was not a full-blown base Yaakov type it was actually it's a school called Hill Torah it's actually modern it was very modern mm-hmm. um we were we were I had to wear a skirt you know but right. 
but was, I, I presume that like you were keeping kosher at home and that was an anomaly amongst your class and things so like it's that. It's interesting though, because my parents do have a kosher kitchen. They do have separate sinks and they keep kosher at home, but they eat, you know, non-kosher outside of the house, which we right. were still doing. Like, you know, we did not right. keep Shabbat to the way, you know, that I keep it now. And, you know, that it was, it was just really confusing. Like, and right. I lived, I lived 30 minutes away from any of my friends. So it was just hard. Right. And I was just I done. I was like, I want to go to public high school. Why do I need this? Like, I was just done. So I went to public high school, but I kept in touch with two friends from, you know, the school that I went to. And they said, come to this convention with me. And I honestly came because I heard that they were cute boys. So I like, this is a so good I, reason as any to go. I support this yeah, decision. As like this 14, 15 year old girl. Like, yeah. Hello, put on so, a cute outfit. Let's go have a great time. Yeah. And it was just confidence boost. So I, so I went there um, and I, I started hearing things, seeing things. The biggest thing for me, and I think, you know, this is the main reason I became religious and maybe it's not the best reason. Maybe, you know, everyone has their opinions, but I became religious because I saw the family life. I saw that, you know, you bless your kids at the Shabbat table. And to me, that was huge. I was raised in a very, you know, interesting environment that like kids don't come to the table, go play, you know? And it's no one's fault, but that that was just the culture that I grew up in. And and I felt like that's just, I don't want that. I want, I was always motherly. I wanted kids and I, I wanted to be there emotionally, be there for them. And I'm not perfect. And there are days where I'm definitely not, but I wanted to be accessible at least. And I just, I, I personally didn't have that growing up. Um, but, uh, so what was I saying? You're talking about uh, becoming religious very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was pretty much why I became religious. And I kind of just went like extreme. I loved the ability, you know, you take on Shomer Nagia, right? Which is basically, you don't touch the opposite sex. To me, that was like giving myself a voice. That was like, you cannot touch me. I have control over me. You know, I, I've gone through certain things in the past that I'm not going to talk about here. Um, but this kind of gave you the shield, which I appreciated. And I, unfortunately, or fortunately, I didn't really go into it because I thought it was some like, beautiful, like, this is what God wants us to do. That, that's just not how I work. Um, but I went into it because I, I saw the like intrinsic value, at least for me, that came from doing that. And then, you know, I got married very fast. I, so I would say I became like fully religious at like 17, 18, really went to so around your senior year of high school, basically. Yeah. Around senior year of high school, I made some big changes. I started dressing modestly. I started only eating kosher. So no more McDonald's fries. I did it gradually. Like, you know, instead of getting a burger at McDonald's, I went to just getting fries and then getting fries. I went to just having a Coke. And then from there I stopped you know um and also with the same thing with modesty it was it was fast but it was slow like I took steps you know like I got rid of my jeans and then I got rid of my you know v-neck I never took out my belly button ring until I got pregnant with my first child <laughs> um but again, uh, another decision that I fully support yeah <laughs> and I would totally get it again by the way but <laughs> but uh but uh, I do feel like in this process, I didn't realize, but I was very much losing myself. So I'll, I'll tie into like my personality, that vivacious risk-taking personality. So, um, and that's no one's fault but my own. But uh, I, I became religious and I went to seminary in Israel. So it's a year abroad, basically. And I kind of asked all my questions and decided this is the way I want to go. But I think it was a huge facade and a huge defense mechanism to not let me pay attention to things I really needed to work on. Um, but didn't want to. So let's become religious. So, um, so I came back from seminary and I got engaged when I was 19. Oh, so like right away. So right away. And that was not the plan. I just, somebody meant, somebody said, you know, I have this guy and like, I wasn't going to like, not 
I was going to take opportunities if they came, you know, if they came my way, but I wasn't shouting on a rooftop that I'm, you know, I want to get married. Like I knew that in order for me to stay religious, I needed to get out of my dysfunctional house. (laughs) And, 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 you know, this is a great way, but I wasn't, I wasn't like yelling. I want, I'm dating. It wasn't necessarily in the plan. Like, okay, now I need to get married. It was just like, I'm going to continue on this journey and see where it takes me. And also if a husband happens to come along and then he did. Yeah. Out of curiosity, did your husband like also grow up? Did he grow up religious? Did he? No. Okay. So like he no, kind of understood he, where you were coming from. Yes and no. He he is much more straight laced than I am. Like he never like had a girlfriend in high school. Like like mm. it's just shocking because you know it's just shocking because he did not grow up religious. He's also Russian, um, and he decided to be religious a little bit sooner than me. And he also took things on differently than I did. Like for me, I really have to connect to it to be able to take it on. You know? Okay. And, Fair and, enough. But he's like, well, this is, this is the law. So this is why we do it. And like, that's just, I just, am not. So you approach things from different angles, meaning he is like, this is the thing that we're doing. And then he finds his own way to connect to it or doesn't, but he does it regardless. And you are like, I'm not doing this unless I connect to it. Yeah. His perspective. Well, here, here's the thing though. There are certain things that I guess I, I don't know, maybe it's not the right way, but like, I feel you know, comfortable doing like lighting Shabbat candles, like behind Mm -hmm. me, you know, keeping kosher, um, keeping Shabbat, like those things. But I also brought them on gradually and I do feel a connection to them. So, you know, it's hard sometimes, but we do very much connect to things differently. Okay. So you get married at 19. I got married at 19 and I had my daughter at 21. Um, Wow. It was You're talking about literally in the span of five years, you've gone from not being religious to being fully religious with a husband and a daughter right and I like didn't get to like equilibrium like I didn't get to like that space yet to chill out like you come out of this bubble of becoming from or religious and I I just like I just didn't have a chance to calm down so one of the things I noticed after I had my daughter is I was really depressed I was really depressed I was really unhappy I felt really ugly for me the way that I look which you know it comes from my past but the way that I look really really like really affects my mood my environment affects my mood the people who are around me affect my mood they they really do maybe I let too much in but hey human so um so I, I, and one of the things for me, like I never had this crazy attachment to my hair. I always did extensions. I always dyed it. I always was into all that stuff, but I didn't, I didn't realize how hard it would be to cover my hair with a wig. I started getting migraines, which is genetic for me. I get chronic migraines. I get Botox for them actually with, from my neurologist every three months. And I also have medication for it. And it was so hard to wear a wig. And like, you have a baby, it's a new baby. You don't know what the heck you're doing. And you have postpartum. Like I had the kind of postpartum that I really felt that she would be better without me. Like that was how dark it was getting. Um, and I was just like, I need to feel better. And I was, I, I, I said, I can't wear a wig cause it's so uncomfortable. Like, how do you like nurse with a wig and you know, and I decided one night to go to Michael's actually with my husband, we were going on a date and I said, let's go to Michael's. I want to make myself a beret. I took like an old worn out beret from like my like non-religious years even um took it to michael's and found an applique it was like one of those jewelry jewelry pieces that i really liked and i put it on the beret and i you know with a hot glue gun i bought a hot glue gun and everything and it was it was great and i put at that time instagram was like everyone who follows you sees your stuff like there's no algorithm Mm -hmm. and i posted on my instagram and like i got essentially my first order like I still remember who that person was. And I really ran to Michael's the next day. I got so excited about it. And I ran to Claire's to find berets. And then little by little, kind of just turn word of mouth and Instagram. And that's how it started, really. 
Yeah, I, I think that part of the reason why, I mean, I know the part of the reason why I so appreciate what it is that you do is because that, first of all, that struggle to cover your hair is has nothing to do with the fact that you became religious. Right. Like that, I struggled with it. I grew up totally from totally religious and yeah. and I still, it's, it messes with your head. I really sincerely yeah. felt like I had a new face. I put the wig on yeah. and yeah. yeah, literally I looked completely different. Um, my, my hair does not exist in a wig. I have really curly hair and yeah. don't do not, do not send me pictures of your amazing looking curly wigs. They no, please yeah. don't for the love yeah. of God, please don't. Yeah. They look like all curly wigs look like my hair on a bad hair day. They just yeah. do. Um, and, and for me, it was like, it was this totally different look and it was really hard to do. And I don't care how light or amazing or wonderful you think your wig is. It is not as comfortable as not wearing a wig. They're just not comfortable. Yeah. So with all of that, it's, and, and the fact that that kind of, that Valerie's grew out of this, yeah, this, like the struggle that we really all have, especially because I think that even if you grow up dressing modestly, it's this new thing. Like I grew up dressing yeah. modestly, but we don't cover our hair until we get married. So it's like all of a sudden you're in your twenties or right. not, whatever you're 19 and you're, and it's like this other thing that you got to start doing and be like, mm, I don't know how I feel about this. And it right. did definitely take me a minute to, I don't know that I fully like have leaned into it, but it's, it, it took me a minute. It definitely took me a minute to, to find, I guess, a, an understanding, I guess, with my wigs, yeah. whatever that means. Yeah. And that, and, and like, and yeah, having pretty things that you can wear there that are either on top of your wigs or alternatives to wigs really does make a huge difference in how yeah. something like that feels right. for sure. It's also like just, you know, obviously it's very much rooted in covering hair because that was the problem that I was trying to fix, but it's so much deeper than that. For people who don't cover their hair, aren't religious or aren't even Jewish, it was about feeling better, doing something proactively to feel better taking care of yourself. That is what it's rooted in. It's like, it brings tears to my eyes. It's like, I just wanted my voice, my personality back. And I felt like I was, I lost it becoming religious and I lost it once I had a baby. And I almost felt like there's nothing left of me because I'm completely responsible for this little human being who can't do anything for herself. And I'm in this new life. And there were things that were introduced to me that like, I didn't, I didn't know when I became religious and I kind of just took them on. And for me personally, that was just, it just didn't work. And it took a while for me to even get to that point where like, it's about taking care of you. And, and, and for me, that happens to be, you know, my love language is gifts. It doesn't have to be diamonds, but like, you know, like, like a rose or a pen or like, I went to Starbucks today and they were like, I think you got a holiday drink. So we're going to give you this cup. And I just felt so good, you know, like I felt so good. And I, I just, I wanted to do that for women. I wanted to do that. If I could do it for other, you know, I just, I wanted to do that. And I, I hope that that's what comes off with my brand. And I, I love making gifts. I love wrapping gifts. And I, that's why my packaging looks the way it does. If I could afford to put more stuff into it, I would, you know, it's just, it's so much deeper than just hair covering. While that is super important and beautiful in and of itself, it's so much deeper than just that. Yeah, and I think I, it really relates to all women. Right. Yeah. I, I could not agree more. It's it definitely, and that all of that. And that's whether not even, not just if you, if you have kids, if you don't have kids, if you're single married, I think it really can, it's just all women, girls, I want them to feel like not guilty taking care of themselves, you know, and, and right. yeah, whole, not guilty buying the sparkly pretty thing. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I, I totally get that. So you, you go to Michael's, you make this thing for yourself, you post it, you get 
that first order, what happens from there? Because there is a big difference between running to Michael's and Claire's and buying berets oh and, and jewelry and, and the operation that you have going on now. So talk mm-hmm. me through that transition. Yeah. So it was very, you know, once word of mouth kind of spread and people were messaging me on my Instagram and then messaging me on my phone. Hey, like, are you doing this now? Like, do you make berets, hair coverings? Can I come over? Can I see what you have? I was like, okay. You know, when I went to Michael's that second time, I was like, Ooh, I can make this. I can make that. I can make this. And I started just grabbing a bunch of things. Like I found a coupon somewhere and I, and I, you know, started going to all different Claire's. I went to Claire's, I went to Marshall's, I went to Nordstrom Rack and I started just grabbing beanies and grabbing berets. I'm grabbing headbands and I just got like so excited it was like an adrenaline rush everybody every time someone bought something you know um and it was it was it was interesting originally people would come on my dining room table and I would just spread everything out and I would I didn't know how to sew by the way so um so and I didn't know what glues to use like if you're not using hot glue what other glue like there was a lot of like trial and error which I'm really proud of um and women would come choose what they wanted and I would make it for them that's it. Like, that's how, how that's what happened. Oh, so, you, so you originally had the embellishment and the base separate. Yes. And then, yes. Oh, that's clever. And then, yes. And then I got offered to go to a Hanukkah boutique, actually the Amit Hanukkah boutique. It was like my first, like, I guess what's the word when you like come out, it was my first, uh, your debut debut. Yeah. Of Valerie's boutique at the time. And I, I remember I sold out. And I remember being like, what is happening? Oh my gosh, I have homework. Like, what's (laughs) going on? I need to change a diaper. Like, what? And I was like, oh my gosh, I need more stuff. And then I started researching. I looked on eBay. I looked on, you know, Amazon. I was like, what can I get? Like, how do we like, and then people started asking me for baby stuff. So like, I, I got baby stuff and I had my own daughter. So, I mean, she wouldn't keep anything on her head. But anyways, I made... You know, and I, it, that's just kind of what happened. And then custom got really intense. I think I did custom for like five years where people would be like, okay, well, this is what I want. Like I, I would do like girls headbands and clips to like their wedding outfits or whatever. And I would make, you know, if a woman wanted like a beanie with a pom-pom and then embellishments, like I would, I would do that. And it got really intense. And then stores started reaching out to me and I was just like, I cannot sit here and make 50 pieces. Like, you know, like, right different designs. And then I, and then it was so stressful because I would have stones, but like, I didn't have enough red, <laughs> you mm, know, and yeah. you have to order and that there's a minimum. And like, I started researching, I started researching different factories. I reached out to different people. Um, I do give credit to my husband a lot. Cause he was like, why don't you go on different websites and start messaging sellers, you know, like see if right. you can like get just, it's going to be risk. There's going to be fails and you're just going to have to, you know, adjust. So that's kind of what happened. And then it wasn't until like five, I feel like five years in that I scaled down the business and started making collections. And it just was so much easier to not have to make everything to order. I still do a lot of like hand embellishing. I'm actually working on an order right now for a store in Baltimore that wanted like hand embellished um, pom-pom pullover beanies. But like, it takes a lot of time. <laughs> it takes right. a lot of time. So yeah. Yeah, I hear that. What? How much time was it? from when was it first of all well like you said your daughter is nine so this was almost a decade ago that you it was like 2014 2013 2014 when I started okay and then I want to say was, that, she was born in 2012 so. so and and you started scaling up with collections and stuff I want to say within like the last two years or so right mm-hmm. like maybe somewhere a little bit more maybe a little uh, bit more yeah somewhere in that yeah. yeah like two to th- two to three ish years I want to mm-hmm. say like I remember seeing this 
transition and being like, I have some vintage Valerie pieces that are, you know, like from when you were still doing them. And like, I mean, they're whatever. Some of them should probably be replaced at this point because I wore them to death, but I refuse to get rid of them. I love Um, Thank you. But like those, those kinds of things also that I think that it's important to, to understand that these things take a really long time to build. Like we're telling this story and it's, well, first I was doing it for my, for my dining room. And then I started making things and that's hand embellished. Now we produce, there's a long stretch of time that happens. Yeah. There's so many details. Yeah. In that. Yeah. And, and I think it's important, especially if there's anyone listening who has a small business or is growing a small business, nobody knows what they're doing. We're all making it up. And also there's, it does take time. It does take, these things do take time to kind of, you know, to, to meld and to, and to solidify at what point during, when you were starting up Valerie's boutique, did you decide to drop the masters? Uh, my son is six. So when he, he was still in my belly, like, so six years ago, I mean, I just was like this, first of all, I was, I realized I was going into it for the wrong reasons. Like I have so much of my own baggage. I really don't think that I could be helpful, helpful to someone else until I figure that stuff out. And I'm still figuring that stuff out. And this just gave me so much just it made me feel so good that women liked my pieces and maybe it's it's not great that I really I my this is me like this business is me I'm not detached from it I don't know if that's good if that's bad but that's the honest truth so when people like it I feel so good you know it's selfish honestly you know like I and when people are not nice to me it really really hurts it really hurts. And I had to go to therapy specifically just to be able to deal with certain challenges in my business. Do you want to talk more about that? Like what kind of things were really upsetting for you? um, I'm a people pleaser. So if people ask me to like, you know, my package is lost, it says delivered, I'll just refund them or send them a new package. Like you can't do, you can't, you can't run a business that way. And it says delivered like there's so I mean, you know, obviously every case is its own, but like I'm a people pleaser. So if somebody said to me, you know, like, well, if I'm buying like five of them or if I'm buying two of them, can you give me a discount? I would. You can't do that each time. I don't do that anymore. I've worked on it a lot. I kind of gained my confidence. And that's another thing I feel like I kind of lost with becoming, you know, religious and all of that is my confidence, that vivaciousness that like, you know, you can be confident, you could be stern in a kind way. And that's something that I've, I've worked on that becoming stern part. Um, and you know, competition was really, really hard for me. You know, I remember sitting at a Shabbat table with a couple and they were asking how it's going. It was a couple years in and they, the, the husband actually said to me, just wait until, just wait until like, you know, you know, either you see your designs elsewhere or you, people are reaching out to your factory. That was really hard for me. And, you know, like if another store brought in a different brand, that was hard for me. And now like I've gained enough insight to really realize like, good for them. Like, I want everyone else to be genuinely, genuinely. I want other people to be successful. I really, really do. Even if you're doing the same thing as me. Um, it was just about building myself up enough to realize that I have something that no one has, you know, like I have something and and they have something that no one has, you know, everybody has their own thing because it's their own flair and it's their own passion. I'm hoping in what they're doing. And I, I just needed to remember like the negative self-talk in my head is not actually how it's perceived. Right. It's just just, just because I think it doesn't make it real. Right. hundred percent. So that was something that I still have to work on, but I really worked on a lot to be able to just deal with. And, you know, I'll mute certain things on Instagram. I'll unfollow. I'll, you know, you know, take, take a break. You know, it's just, 
it's just really like taking care of you, which is exactly what my business is about. So, right. Um, Talk to me a little bit more weird. about copycats. Cause this is a conversation okay. that you and I have had privately, uh, I don't know, dozens of yeah. time, honestly, this is something that we've both had, um, some unfortunate experiences with. When was the first yeah. time that you got copied? Like flat out, this was a stolen design. I feel like I repressed the memory to be able to handle it. Um, <laughs> um, Fair it enough. Time ago, it was a long time ago. I feel like it was some design with butterflies. Um, it's another thing, by the way, when AliExpress starts to copy you and starts to use your pictures and sell sell stuff that's a copy of yours. That's another. That's thing. a that's a different thing. Fun. Meaning, I think that I think that we do need to make a differentiate a differentiation. You do use overseas factories. I, they do. I'll tell you this, and yeah. Yeah, when exactly. when you use I'll overseas you factories, there's a risk. Yeah, a hundred percent right. Now. I'll tell you, this is like all I'm going to say about it. Um, I feel personally that no one does it intentionally. I'm hoping. Really? I'm hoping. This is how I can handle it. Okay, fair enough. I'm hoping that no one does it intentionally. I think that you're just thinking like whether you need to put bread on the table, whether you're just desperate to to do something and you know or maybe you were inspired and you didn't realize that it looks very similar like I'll be honest in the beginning of my business I was very inspired by other things a hundred percent and I made things by hand that were maybe similar to what's in Bloomingdale's maybe similar to what's in Nordstrom's a hundred percent and I I'll take you know full responsibility for that um but to copy someone exactly I just feel like there's something going on there there's something going on there. And for me, and this is how I dealt with a lot of situations. And maybe it's not the right way, but this isn't a defense mechanism of mine. There's something going on there. And I feel bad. I feel bad for them. That's the I only way that. I can See, I feel bad And in it a just motivated way. me. It motivated me to create new things. I'm constantly creating things. I, I enjoy what I do. I enjoy creating. I have embellished pieces that I just created, like winter beanies that I've been working on for a while. I'm super excited about. And like, I just can't, you cannot, I can't get my energy to it. I can't anymore. Right. I hear it that. Was killing See, me. Yeah. For me, it manifests in a little bit of a different way, which is, I will say that I haven't had that many instances of being outright copied. I also like in the couple of times when it has happened, they've just been really terrible versions of, and it's frankly comical. Um, but for me, yeah. doing what we do is really hard. Um, and like, we're, we're both in fashion, me, maybe me more like intensely than your, your accessories, whatever, but they're related yeah. businesses and they are very difficult industries to be in. It is a cutthroat industry. It's not a particularly kind industry. I think maybe that I like that, I don't know, it's... but what I also know is that at least I know for myself, I have been able to carve out a really nice corner of it for myself a really nice corner of it. Like I'm thinking of Rahama from Dirama or Annette from Estes and like that whole group of people. For me, like, I think the thing that the, that like, those are the two people who immediately popped in my mind. We're really good friends. We, you know, like we, we just are, we're good friends. We support each other and we're happy to support each other. And I think that the thing that we, that the three of us have in common is that we are we are each our own people and we are each confident enough in what we are doing that we're not threatened by what the other person is doing. Aside from the fact that between exactly. the three of us, we do very different things, exactly. but it's, but like, but we're, we are each our fully formed individuals. Do you know what I mean? Like our businesses are, are, are what we do, but like a little bit different from what you're saying. They're not necessarily who we are. Um, even though we do give so much time and energy to them. When, I don't know why, like 
I think that when industries just become mean, like they just have, uh, like that when industries are just mean, like fashion is a mean industry and this is not specific to the religious world all over fashion is a mean industry. So then it attracts mean people because like, if I want to be mean, I'm just going to go there. And also mean behavior is tolerated because fashion is mean. That's just how it is. So we like accept that unacceptable Mm -hmm. behavior, frankly. And then it just kind of breeds itself. Um, because it's for me when it comes to copying this is not an easy industry to be in frankly producing any kind of product is really difficult to do from like cash flow perspectives and operationally and and all of that it's really hard to do and i do it because really i just want to make dresses like i am someone who's been sewing since i'm 10 and like really i just like every now and then when stuff when sometimes stuff will get really hard i'll like i'll be talking to my husband and i'll be like don't they understand that I'm just the little girl who wants to sit and sew? Like, I don't want to be dealing with all this other stuff. I just want to sit and sew. That's all I want to be doing. And I haven't done that in so long or, or whatever, then crying ensues. But that's not the point. The point is, is that you put up with the other stuff because ultimately you just want to be creating or ultimately you just want to be helping women feel better about themselves or whatever. So when I see someone who's just copying and there are lines that we know that 70 to 80% of their line, like when you scroll through their websites, I'm thinking, oh, that's from this company. That's from the other company. That's from this company. Like you just know that it's not their creation. Then when you like, it's, it, it almost makes, it makes me sad for them. Like you're going through all of the stress of this industry and you're not even getting any of the, any of the satisfaction of having actually created something. Does that make sense? And maybe that's not what they're looking for, you know? And again, like, I think people are so different and people are doing things for different reasons, right? And I, again, it took me a long time to be able to just deal with it. I will say, even with me, like looking at someone else and feeling for them, and and I, re- I know that there's got to be something else going on, I still will stand up for myself. And that's new. I wasn't. For what does standing up for yourself look like? Um, please don't message me mm-hmm. or... Or um, let's speak to let's speak to a th- authority about it if you have a problem with it. Or saying, you know what, there has been, you know, just standing up, like saying, this is I'm not going to take this. Will you, you call someone out on your stuff? No, I will not call someone out because I don't really see the point. But if they approach me, I will say, like, this is this. I I think that this isn't. I think that this is ridiculous. Right. You know, and I, I, again, I think it's so important to just focus on your own thing. Don't go looking at everyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when things start to get jaded. And I had, I had to work on that myself in the beginning. Cause I was getting so upset. I had clients coming to me and literally screenshotting things and showing me. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I said, thank you so much for supporting my brand and for supporting me, but please don't send me things like this. I don't want to see. Right. I don't want to know. Right. You know, and there's nothing oh, you can do about it, frankly. I, and even, I just don't, like, why? It's just, I don't need to know. Like, just focus on your thing. Create something new. You know, like, that's it. Just fo- And that's what I would want. Again, I, I try, I think about, like, what do I want my kids to do in the situation? And then I, like, it's easy. I take myself out of it. And I, I talk to myself as if I would be talking to them if they came to me with the situation. And it doesn't have, I'm not perfect. There's times that it's, you know, really, it really gets me down. Um, and then I'm mean to everyone around me, <laughs> which isn't very fair, but, um, we all have our I, moments, hon. Huh? We all have our moments. Yeah. And I, I just, I just, I'm telling you, I love therapy. I'm a big advocate. I think I gained the tools there to be able to just deal with it, to be able to say, no, no, 
just distance, get away from me, focus right. on your own stuff, stop looking at mine, you know? Right. Like, no, the ability to say this is not something that I'm willing to engage with you in no. is or really even let powerful. In, or even let in, like that's right. it, you know? I'm, yeah. I'm just done. I wish that it was different. I wish, I wish, sorry, excuse me. I wish my industry was different. I don't know how it became like this. I've been around for a long time, a long time before a lot of other brands. I just don't know like what happened. Like, I don't, right. I don't know. Um, but again, I want everybody to be successful genuinely. Just leave me alone. Right. Yeah. I hear that. I will say, alone. yeah, I will say just one last, like bef- before we end off, cause I can't believe yeah. the time totally flew. Um, when it, it comes to industries that have a reputation for being mean, you immediately stand out by not being mean. Like Thank even like, do, do you know what I mean? And it's also in, and in, and in general, just like free life advice for people listening, if being nice for pure Machiavellian purposes will get you farther. Like I see this also a lot with my manufacturers. Again, fashion as a whole is a mean industry. And I go out of my way to be really, really nice to like the warehouse guys in the fabric places that are making sure that the, like that are pushing the carts they get the fabric to where it needs to go because for again because it's the right and proper thing to do and also because when I call up and I say hi I need something to get there in an hour and then you know and I can talk to the guys and be like can you get this for in an hour yeah it's there in 45 minutes because they like you and that I mean if for no other reason then it then it like you just you stand out and you become a better and I want to and like, even if you feel like you don't stand out and even if you feel like those other brands who are mean or whatever are getting a lot more attention, stick to yourself. Don't lose yourself because it looks like they're, and I want them to be successful, but don't lose yourself. Just don't pay attention. Like that's the best advice I can say. And another thing about being really nice is it's very easy to be taken advantage of. So as long as you're nice, but also being able, be able to stand your ground and stand up for yourself, which is something that I'm still working on, but like currently in the past, like year or two have really gotten, you know, stronger with like, you just, just be careful, you know? Right. Yeah, for sure. And I think that also it's what is, what is really easy to forget is that it's very easy to make yourself look successful, much harder to actually be successful. And a lot of times the people, like I know for a fact that there are certain brands that are super popular and not profitable and like they can't pay their bills. Changes for them. Like, and I, and I truly hope it does. I, and I'm not saying that as like a knock on them. No, it's just course. that, just that like what you're saying, what you're seeing is like the internet is lying to you. It really is. Yeah. It's yeah. It to- yeah, just on, on, on every level. This yeah. has been such a lovely conversation, Valerie. I'm so glad that we got this chance to like Thank you for having shoot me. the breeze so and just talk. Next time I'm in your area, we gotta hang out. <laughs> I know, I know. Next time you're next time you're in New York or I'm in Chicago, that's it. Like yes. coffee for the longest coffee date ever known to man. Yes. If yep. somebody if somebody wants to learn more about you, where can they go, Valerie? They can go to my Instagram at Valerie Chicago. They can go to ValerieChicago.com. Valerie's not spelled with an E at the end. Um, and my Facebook, Valerie Chicago. Awesome. And the last thing that I want to ask you is what I ask everyone who comes on the show. And that is to you, Valerie Stoffnitzer, what does it mean to make an impact? Being yourself makes a huge impact. Being true and being yourself, being genuine, authentic self. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on today, Valerie. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Valerie, her links are in the show notes. The Be Impactful podcast is a project of Impact Fashion, the clothing line I created because I believe that we are all deserving of the beautiful things life has to offer. See my modest designs that are available in sizes 2 through 24 by going to impactfashionnyc.com. 
access all of that by swiping up on the cover art. There are currently 10 people listed by Ora Agunot as a recalcitrant party. View their names, photos, locations, and details of their cases by visiting getora.org slash recalcitrant dash parties. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses, original music composed by Nissan Fetman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Rifki Itzkowitz. Catch me on Instagram and Facebook at impact.fashion.nyc. As always, here's to making an impact together.